The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. I'd like to just um, say welcome to this morning's visitors. I trust that you'll enjoy your time with us. Um, as I said this morning, we do, we've done things a bit different. Nonetheless, let's turn our attention to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. One of the last few letters in the New Testament. And our theme this morning is the assurance of discernment. Have you ever heard of that word discernment or to discern? Right, I'm excited for the study. In fact, I'm excited in this series. Thus far, every title has held the word assurance. And as I said to you in the beginning when we started this study, I've named it the study, The Marks of Christian Assurance. Because John is writing to the church to encourage Christians, such as yourself, to know the truth about who Christ is, about what the gospel is, about who the antichrists are, and so forth and so forth. And so we get to a section this morning where John actually writes and says that we can have this, the assurance of our salvation through discernment. Through discernment. So, as I said, 1 John is a letter full of assurances. It's a letter full of certainties that you and I need so that we would be comforted to know I am saved. I am a Christian. So, as I said, a key word this morning is discernment. I'll read the passage in a moment. Just bear with me. The key word here is discernment. Discernment is the ability to properly distinguish or to separate out by diligent, diligent search or examination. You see, what, what I mean by discernment is this. We have two truths being put out before us. By the wisdom God has entrusted us, we need to study which one of these two facts is indeed the truth and what isn't. Now, King Solomon, who's a great example, King Solomon was known for his power of discernment. King Solomon was known for making wise decisions and making moral judgments. Sadly, being as wise as he was, didn't always correctly discern. Amen? It just goes to show that at the end of the day, we are either still just sinners saved by grace, or we're still just sinners. Okay? So, a discerning person is someone who acknowledges the worth of God's Word. Did you get that? A discerning person will acknowledge the worth of God's Word. Solomon wrote these words in Proverbs 8, uh, verse 8 through 9. He said, All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. 
They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Get that? To the, to the discerning, these are correct. So if we have the ability to discern what is false and what is true, you will have a higher standard for God's worth. Uh, word. You will have a higher appreciation of God's word. Now the question I have before I read for us is why is this important? Why is it important to us, 21st century Christians, gathered in a room, we call a church? Why is this important? Romans chapter 12 verse 9, Paul commands believers to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Now, unless we have true discernment, unless we have the ability to discern, how will we determine what is evil? How will we know what is truly good? Well, let me pose the question this way. How can we test the spirits in order to be sure who is a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing and who is a true teacher. So, in order for us as a church, in order for us as Christians, if we want to maintain the purity of the gospel, we as the church must be able to separate heresy from truth. Let me just add a note here, a footnote. You tend to think that when we talk about false teachers, it's someone who deliberately and explicitly lies. Right? Someone who explicitly would stand in the pulpit and say, Jesus is not God. You would say, but that's a false teacher. Listen, false teachers are snakes. They are crafty. All right? They won't stand in the pulpit and say, Jesus is not God. They would rather say, just like Jesus, we are God. Whoa. Did you get that? Oh, no, no, no. Jesus is a God. He's the Son of God. So, not really God, but He's the Son of God. So, Deception. And that's exactly what Satan did in the garden with Adam and Eve. So, my dear friends, in order for us to have the certainties or the realities of how to discern, or how as Christians to properly distinguish error and truth, John writes to us these words. Chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. 
Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen? So firstly, John introduces the commandment we as Christians have to discern, right? We're quick to say, judge not, lest he be judged. False. Paul says, judge. Judge and rightly judge in order to know what is true and false. Are you with me? Therefore, I read the words of verse 1 again. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Discern the spirit, right? Study the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false preachers or false prophets have gone into the world. John wants us and, and the original readers to be aware of the fact that not every supposed spiritual teacher is a creditable teacher. Are you with me? What I mean by this is they are spiritual deceivers out there spreading lies about Christ, about the gospel, about church. If I can, just take a moment and encourage you if you have some spare time to listen to a podcast called Cooper Stuff like Cooper Stuff where this Christian musician is to his followers revealing how false teachers are in the church deceiving believers friends Let's call it what it is. The, the issue in the 21st century that the, that the church is dealing with, apart from Mormons, apart from Jehovah's Witnesses, apart from other sorts of false preachers, the church is dealing with a progressive movement. I, I label it liberal, liberal Christianity. Where churches and preachers are accepting abortion and preaching it from the pulpit. Where they are accepting same-sex relationships and preaching. Listen, my dear friends. Paul's warning is that we do not conform to the world for our guests who are here for the first time this morning, if you leave this place and recognize this place to be such as a worldly entertainment that you've been to before, then we as a church are missing the mark because we cannot look anything like the world. Therefore, John says, do not believe every spirit. We've said this for years in CBC. Don't just listen to us and soak it up. Study it for yourself. 
to see if what we are saying is true. Don't go from this place and say, but my pastor says. You should go from this place and say, but the word says, and our church agrees. So John says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. The words believe and test are commands. They are calling for a continuous action, for continuous vigilance. Ezekiel says, stand, pray and watch. John says, stand, listen and discern. Our goal in discernment is to determine if these prophets or today's teachers are truly from God. Or if they come from another source. If they are coming in a different spirit. And John is straightforward, friends. Man, I love this. John is so straightforward. He tells us that behind every teacher, behind every proclamation, there is a working spirit. Are you with me? We tend to look at what's happening in the church and say it's something physical. The church is physically fighting people from coming into its doors. No, no, no. The church is accepting that anyone comes in through the door. But the battle is spiritual. The battle is to spiritually discern that whoever comes in through those doors, are they from Jesus Christ? Or are they against Jesus Christ? Their message, John says, will inform us what is their source or who is their source. The source of wisdom or inspiration. And they are not all from God. Now, false prophets were not new to John's readers. They have been around for a very long time. This dates back, believe it or not, to Deuteronomy. Old Testament Deuteronomy. This is what we read, right? Chapter 13. Listen, it dates back even further than this. But this is a key passage I want us to focus on. Deuteronomy 5, oh sorry, 13 verse 1 through 5. It says, If a prophet or someone who dreams or has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign and a wonder to you, and that sign or wonder he has promised comes about, yet he says, Let's follow other gods which you have not known, and let us worship them. Do not listen to those, that prophet's words or to that dreamer. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. You must follow the Lord, the Lord your God and fear Him. You must keep His commands and listen to His voice. You must worship Him and remain faithful to Him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you from the way of the Lord your God has commanded you to walk. You must purge the evil from you. 
That is strong language. And John commands us to do this. To discern what is right and what is wrong. The writer in Deuteronomy emphasizes you must purge the evil. In other words, destroy the evil that exists among you. So Deuteronomy lays the test down for us to determine whether a prophet is truly a spokesperson of God. Listen, here's the key. This is what, it, what stands out. We assume that the Old Testament only says if a prophet came, promised a sign and a wonder, and the sign and wonder did not happen, then we put them to death. Deuteronomy says they will come and they will perform a sign or a wonder and it will come to pass. Yet, if they lead you astray, then you know that this is not from God. Did I say it's a spiritual battle? I believe I did. It's a spiritual battle ongoing battle so there's a tendency where we ascribe anything unusual any unusual phenomenon any miracle to God right something amazing happens you've never seen in your life you go wow God did it how do you know well it's never happened It must be God. John says, taste the spirits. Do not be foolish. If something supernatural or unexplainable happens, we tend to think that it's God's hand. Friends, that's a a lack of discernment. And it's dangerous. Can I tell you why it's dangerous? It opens the door for false teaching. And it actually gives the opportunity for demonic, um, yeah, a, a demonic activity to invade the church. Believe it or not. Are you with me? Therefore, John says, discern, 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 discern. If we do not discern, My dear friends, let me give you another side note illustration. There are sadly churches that have elders who are Freemasons. Do you know what's wrong in such a church? It lacks discernment. It lacks discernment. People and the leaders are not testing each other's fruit. They're not discerning whether one is from God or not. Remember, spiritual or religious activity is not necessarily a godly activity. I'll say it again. Spiritual or religious activity is not necessarily a godly activity. We have to evaluate the message. We have to evaluate the messenger in order to know if this is from God. Now what's the ruler? What's the standard we use 
to evaluate the message and the messenger. It's God's word. It's God's word. The false teachers are very deceptive in their message. They have their own great commission. John says, what? They have been sent into the world. That's interesting. They have gone out into the world. Someone has commissioned them to do this duty, to do this work. So, because we have been commanded to discern, we can never say, I was never warned. Jesus warned us. Paul warned us. Peter warned us. Jude warned us. John is warning us. Where there is truth, error may be lurking in the background. Don't assume. Don't assume. Listen, calling out and identifying false teachers is not fun. Don't think that, that, that preachers and church leaders have fun calling out false teachers. It's not popular either. However, it's biblical and it's necessary. Therefore, we come to a second point this morning. And it's this. We have been chosen to discern. We have been chosen to discern. Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. I believe we've been here before actually, and I think I'm rather unpopular for expressing this. Not all truth is true. Not all truth is true. What's true for an atheist is not true for the Christian. What's true for the Buddhist is not true for the Christian. What's true for one religion is not true for another religion. Are you with me? Therefore, not all truth is true. John points us to the concern that we firstly need to address in order to establish the truth. And I'll pose it as a question. What is the single most important truth concerning salvation? The one thing. What is the single most important truth concerning salvation? What is the one truth in Christianity that leads us to salvation? See, there's one truth held within biblical Christianity. And it's this. How am I saved? It is to acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God 
and to believe on Him for salvation alone. That's the one truth. That's Romans 10 verse 9 and 10. So how am I saved? Through works? No. Through baptism? No. So how am I saved? Call on the name of Jesus. In fact, Paul says, to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, to confess with your mouth that He is Lord, that He is King, that is how we are saved. So, my question is, what do you believe about Jesus? If Jesus is just another teacher, He is permitted and tolerated as an opinion. But if Jesus is the very incarnation of God, if He is the invisible image of God made visible, then the gospel and only the gospel is true. Yet if Jesus is not these things, the gospel is not true. Therefore, as believers, we are chosen to discern. And here's how we discern. John gives us the basis or the standard for how we should discern. He says, this is how you know. In other words, this is how you recognize. This is how you understand the Spirit of God. This is how you understand those who bear the gospel of God. By the confession of who Jesus Christ is. It is by the confession of who Christ is. This confession isn't just words. It's not just a statement. This confession is a heart felt, mind-engaged, soul-committed decision. This confession is what Christianity stands and falls upon. So how can we know that this is the standard for sure? John says, for one, firstly, the Spirit of God always honors Jesus Christ. Did you get it? The Spirit of God will always honor Jesus. Jesus said in John 16 verse 14 concerning the Spirit. He says, He will glorify me because He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. If that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is working in a person, working in a body, and we do not confess Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's something else. And I would say, get out. Run. However, if it's truly the Spirit who's working, we are all confessing. Christ. 
So secondly, or let me just recap. Firstly, if there is no one glorifying Jesus as God, then there is no Spirit of God present. Secondly, and this is scary as it concerns those who actually know Jesus, even the demons recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. Are you with me? The demons, demonion. The evil creatures. They recognize Jesus as God. And guess what? They ran. The scary thing is this. They don't worship Him for being God. Of course, that's why we... They are known as demons. They are rebellious angels who rebelled against the throne of God. And that's why they are in the position they are in. They don't worship Him for it, but they also don't deny that truth. And so here's what's scary. Demons have better theology than many professing Christians. Than many Preaching pastors, teachers, theologians. You say, how could you say that? Man, they were created for the sole purpose of glorifying God and God alone. And if God created them for that purpose, do you not think that they would not have the intellect to know exactly how to glorify Him? Of course they would. 100% of course they would. That's just a side lesson on demonology and uh, angels. Come back next week for more Theology 101. Alright? I continue. And although these demons make up the false spirits, they make up contradicting theologies. And I think that's why it's so good. These contradictory theologies, it's like no one just sits and think that, thinks it up overnight. It is so well constructed. I believe it's because they know the single truth. They know the single truth of salvation. They know it's the confession that Christ is the Son of God. The only way of salvation. So what do they do with that? That is the one truth they twist, isn't it? They deny the deity. Deity means God. They deny that Jesus is God. They deny that the gospel is the only message. Are you with me? And there's some examples for how they do that. We'll get into those um, in a moment. But there's some examples of how they do that. Look at verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Listen, those who deny that Jesus is the Son of God made flesh, they are not, number one, from God. And number two, they are from the Antichrist. So, this is not new to the church. In the early church, we had docetists. These people said, Jesus, 
was a phantom or a ghostly spirit who only appeared to be human. And they had quite a following. Pretty scary. Do you know what's the issue if Jesus didn't have a physical body? Do you know what's the issue? I'll get back to that. There was one man in the early church, um, Serenthus, who said, The Spirit of God, or, or, or the Spirit of God's Christ, you know, the anointed one of God, empowered the human being who was Jesus at his baptism. So the day Jesus got baptized, the Spirit of Christ came upon him and possessed him. And at his crucifixion, this Spirit left him. Again, do you know what's wrong with that? In both accounts, it contradicts the gospel account of Christ's life, ministry, and death. Because isn't it that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary? The Christ was born of a virgin. Christ, God, becoming man. Yes, that, that is what happened. But if we twist that, if we change that, what do we have? Error, deception. Therefore, one commentator says, if a, if a person claims to believe in Jesus, it's good to ask, is your Jesus the real Jesus? It's sad, it's scary, but it's necessary. And oftentimes I find myself doing this. Someone, I ask someone, are you a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if they answer and say, I believe the Creator. Hey man, you're not answering the question. The, the question is precise, it's specific. My question is, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's the question. I don't want to know what else you believe in. I want to know, do you believe this single truth? Listen, tell, if you tell me what you know about Jesus, we could probably tell of about 90% of what you believe theologically, about everything, about God, about His Word, based on what you believe about Jesus. See, the aim of the Antichrist is to deceive people by denying the truth about Jesus. And in particular, within the context of 1 John, it's by denying His true human nature. And this is why we are chosen to discern. It is our responsibility to discern the spirits, the truth and the false teaching. As a believer, as a Christian... Our assurance depends on this truth. If you doubt your salvation, my question is, what are you believing that you shouldn't believe? And what are you not believing that you should believe? Discernment. It brings us to a final point this morning. And that is, as we grow in our ability to discern, John says we will arrive at a conquering discernment. 
a conquering discernment. Now from verse 4, he says, Little children, it's so precious. It's so concerning. John uses this, this expression a few times in the letter. And I must say, he does it to remind them of who they are. They're God's possession. They are little children. He says this, Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. Who? The spirit of the antichrists. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Both times singular. They, plural, are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever listens or whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is where we need to be, friends. This is, as believers, this is the point we need to grow towards. And I love it. It's a, it's a great affirmation. John says, here is your assurance of salvation when you discern. He says tenderly, you yourselves and no one else are of God, little children. You are God's possession. You have conquered them. Who's them? The world, the false prophets, those who are of the spirit of Antichrist. You have overcome them. So the question I have for us, how are you overcoming them? How are you overcoming false teaching? How are you overcoming false spirits? John says it's through the greatest spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit who is in us. And He is greater than He who is in the world. I have a few questions. Because I think it's we... We tend to underestimate this statement. And we use it loosely out of context. We want to encourage one another and say, Oh, don't worry, man. He who is in you is greater than he is in the world. Just so out of context, just so loosely. Can I tell you how powerful the statement is? Listen. Is the world strong? Is the world strong? If you're not sure, let me, let me not use the exact word because it will censor. But the thing we've been battling for two years, that thing, right? How come whole governments controlled us? So the world's not strong. The world is stronger than we realize. Okay, let me continue. I don't think we're necessarily all on the same page when it comes to that one thing, which is okay. Are false prophets wise? Are false teachers clever? Yep. They are. Is Satan powerful? Yes. No. 
He's 100% powerful. Alright? Here's the thing. We go, yes, yes, and yes. But God is infinitely stronger, infinitely wiser, and infinitely greater. That's the power of the statement. That's what it means when we say, don't worry, the Holy Spirit who is in you is greater than He is in the world. Why? Because the world is powerful. And so is its rulers. And it's conquering, man. Listen, it's trying to overwhelm the church. And the grace is this Christ Himself said, nothing, no one will ever overpower the church. Why? Because He Himself is building the church. Hallelujah. I think we should stop standing and just sing and rejoice. That's a safe space. I thank the Lord for that. So, what sets me up for conquering or overcoming uh, discernment? A, a discernment where I am assured of the truth. We've established it. It's through the confession of Christ. When we confess Christ, friends, we are declaring that we are God's possession. We are His. And in response, this is what happens. It's, it's amazing. What happens in response is, God gives Himself to me through His Holy Spirit. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how He shows I am His now. The Holy Spirit fills me. And, and, and through salvation, God provides in my heart a devotion to the truth an understanding to the truth things that the natural man cannot understand things that seem like foolishness to them because they can't discern them they can't know them but you you understand the gospel it's because you have the mind of Christ does that mean you cannot be led astray on other issues unfortunately you can still be led astray but not concerning the truth of the gospel not concerning the reality of possessing God's life God's spirit and that's the reality of discernment so those who are from the devil's domain speak from a worldview. They speak from the Antichrist's inspiration. They speak demonic sermons. They deliver demonic discourses. And those who belong to the world listen to them. They applaud them. Man, how sad it is. And we can't, and this is where I would say, this is, this is where we misinterpret judgment. We can't look at them and judge and say, man, you guys, why don't you just open up your ears and your eyes? Because that was us. Unless the Holy Spirit opened our ears and our eyes and our hearts, we belonged to the world. Do an evaluation. 
Can you watch the same movies you used to watch? Can you read the same books you used to read? Listen to the same music you used to listen to? Hang out with the same crowds you used to hang out with? If you say yes, you were either born a Christian, which is not true. Or you can say not at all. Because of how I've grown in the Holy Spirit. So we can't be surprised when the lost think like lost people. We used to think that way. Listen, those who are enslaved to the world cannot help but speak its language. And they preach a different Christ, preach a different salvation, and preach a different truth. However, verse 6 paints a different picture for us, okay? It says, we are from God. Amen? We are from God. Those who know God through the confession of Jesus as our Savior, listen to those who belong to Him. They listen to those who were commissioned by Him. We who trust on the Lord Jesus depend on His unchanging, holy truth. And we refuse to move away from these trustworthy promises. Are you with me? In John 8 verse 47, Jesus says, The one who is from God listens to God's words. The one who is from God listens to God's words. I must say it. Here it is. There is no Jesus plus or the Bible plus. There is no Jesus minus or the Bible minus because that's heresy. There is a unique standard for how we can measure the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. God's word. God's word. Now, if you have in any way doubted God's word, let me ask it this way. Can we still trust a single source that was compiled almost 2,000 years ago? I mean, 2,000 years is a long time, isn't it? Culture has changed, language has changed, technology has changed. I mean, really, could the word not keep up 2,000 years? You know what's the amazing thing about God's Word? It's timeless. It's timeless. You read the Old Testament, you read Proverbs, you read the Psalms, you go, man, this is me today. False prophets and those who listen to their teachings might hang around the truth for a while, but they don't stay. They, they wander away. It's just, it's so overwhelming. And so here's the answer. The Bible says Jesus is God. Yet false teachers wander away and deny that He is eternal. The Bible says Jesus is sinless. False teachers say that He has sinned or He has committed error. 
You know what's one of the most recent teaching about Christ? It's coming out of my mouth. I can't imagine it. It's, it's that he had gay relations. Bible says he's sinless. You know what that means to be sinless? It means to have never sinned. The Bible says Jesus did miracles. They say those are just myths. The Bible says Jesus is the only Savior. False teachers say that only is He a Savior. The Bible says He died on the cross for our sins. They deny His sacrifice. Some modern theologies say it's a form of child abuse. The Bible says He rose from a bodily resurrection. He rose from the dead. False teachers say they imagined the whole thing. The Bible says Jesus ascended into heaven as Lord. False teachers say it's just another myth. The Bible says Jesus is coming back again. False teachers say it's just pop culture. It's pop Christian. Finally, the Bible says Jesus will judge us all. However, false teachers say God is love and He won't judge. He will at the end of the day save everyone. Love wins. My dear friends, test the spirits. Confess Christ as Lord. Trust the Holy Spirit who's working within and stay latched to the Word as you faithfully discern the truth from these errors. Friends, as I close, my final note is this. We read about the Bereans in Acts and we assume that when they were preaching, the Bereans were sitting there with a the New Testament to see, oh yeah, is Paul really... The Bereans weren't sitting there with a the New Testament because it wasn't written. The Bereans were sitting there with the law and the prophets and from studying the law and the prophets, they confirmed the gospel message the apostles were preaching. That's amazing. And do you know how we get a, a hunger and a desire for that? It's when we hold God's word to the standard it should have. It's the only ruler for truth. Amen. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to know your goodness, to know your truth, to know your ministry, your life and your work, to know what you are doing for us now and to know what you will do for us. And therefore, we acknowledge and I pray, Lord, you would help us to discern, to discern in awkward situations, to discern in, in, in situations where our livelihood depends on it, where the Christian reputation depends on it. I thank you that as you've promised the disciples, when we are in a position, we might not know what to say or how to say it. 
the Spirit who lives within us, will guide us to the truth. And so we give thanks in your name. Amen.